Welcome back to the It's a Classic Podcast. I'm your host, Zion Lashua, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Nick. Nick, say hi. Hello, everyone. Yeah, you know him, you love him, he's back. Well, I'm glad to be back. It's always a joy. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Today, this, this again, is a, an episode recorded while I am outside of the country. I'm in England. Um, but that doesn't really affect our recording setup because Nick and I have always recorded our, our, our episodes from different places. So Remotely. Across state lines is not so different from across the pond, it turns out, through the uh, yeah, digital just, sphere. Uh, yeah, it's just a bit, you know, later in the evening for me and earlier for Nick. Um, but today I have I, I, I have a pretty good episode, I think. Um, oh, well, okay. I mean, maybe, I'll be maybe the judge of agree. that. Yeah, I'm exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're talking about a manuscript written by Lucian of Samosota, who was a uh, kind of a historian, more like a um, just a writer, I think, who existed. He did not like mystics or magic or religion most of the time. Uh, he existed around, I think it was the like around like 120 to 180 AD. Um, so he's in like the Roman Empire. Um, yeah. He's he's often in the Greek world, uh, but under the Roman Empire at this point, but. So he would, uh, he, he, a lot of his writings, when he was writing, he was in Greece when he was doing, or the Greek. Yeah. Area. And then the, the, the manuscript itself, the story, he's, he's written much larger, longer pieces, which we'll probably get into at some point in the future. But this one mm-hmm. is a bit shorter and it's titled, um, Alexander, the Oracle Monger or the False Prophet. Um, he is so, good at, uh, I, I'm yeah. not sure if this is going to be the, uh, Alexander, the great variety of Alexander or a different no, one. It's, Regardless, it's a, it is, good headline. <laughs> It is an entirely different Alexander. Okay, I do love okay. the Ale- – I've seen it titled just Alexander the False Prophet, um, okay. which I also quite like. The Oracle Monger is pretty good, um, but I think I, like, I think you I need like, the full like title to really appreciate yeah. Like uh, he knew what he was doing when he was really yeah, setting yeah, up yeah. the expectations here. Um, so I guess the first thing to do is ask, have you ever heard of Alexander the False Prophet, the Oracle Monger? <laughs> I cannot say that I have, considering I, I thought it might be Alexander the Great. I have no idea. I have no idea who this man is. Okay, yeah, good. Uh, I've never met this man before in my life. Um, <laughs> wouldn't recognize him on the street. Wouldn't want to. No. Um, no. So, so that's good. That's good because I'm, I'm glad to get your raw reaction. Because I think, especially certain parts of this story, I think you will quite vibe with. We'll see. Um, so the story of Alexander the Oracle Monger, the False Prophet. It's a classic. because he's writing this piece he he he, he mm-hmm. often like breaks the i guess the literary fourth wall and addresses mm-hmm. kind of the the reason that he's writing this thing in the first place okay. um he addresses a man named kelsis um mm-hmm. who is the guy who like commissioned this story uh okay. it's like he's like a fellow writer of lucian like a peer who similar goals of like taking down magic and other things like that and like proving people to be frauds and things so it wouldn't be um, like a patron system where it's like somebody sponsored. It's more so writing it in the service of like a peer's kind of similar interests. Yeah. And I think Kelsus just asked him, it's like, hey, can you like specifically he asked him, can you write down all of the like the falsehoods and fraudulent activities of this guy, Alexander? And Lucian is like, oh, boy, that's a big job, but I'll do it for you, Kelsus. You're my good friend. 
it's kind of like me uh, getting to hear all, all of your all of your script here. You're you're, you're doing the full <laughs> run up as well, and I just get to bask in it and enjoy. It, uh, it's the podcast equivalent of the era, probably. I think that it is. This is it was literally it is the podcast equivalent of, of ancient uh, Rome. Um, so what what he actually says, and I do like that you like thought that this guy was Alexander the Great at first. Lucian starts his piece by saying, like, oh, man, you want all the tricks and, and frauds of Alexander of and this. So this is where this Alexander's from. Mm -hmm. um, I should have pronounced I should have practiced pronouncing this first. It's okay. Abono, ab, abono te, teikos. Abono teikos. Abono teikos. Anyway, so you want all the tricks and frauds of Alexander of abono teikos. <laughs> um, and then Lucian's like, well, that would take as long as going through all the exploits of Alexander the Great. Oh. Um, so he's basically saying that like this guy is as is as tricky and we conniving and, 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 and conniving as Alexander he, is great. He's he's uh, uh, it would be the equivalent of uh, calling Moriarty the Napoleon of crime. This guy's uh, the Nap the Alexander the Great of cunning and deception. Is that Moriarty's nickname in, in Sherlock? I I, I, I I think so. I think so. I, <laughs> I mean, that's probably just making that up. <laughs> If 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 uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle didn't take it, I'll I'll take it as my own for my own writing escapades. <laughs> I'll write someone. I'll be like, oh, he's the Napoleon of crime, unless someone else has already been called that. Then he's not. <laughs> In which case, completely other. I'll, uh, the Mussolini. Wait, no, he is some baggage. Oh there. no, I, oh, I want to bring him up. Ah, uh... <laughs> just like you're just like this is all in the book as well. Just like debating who to. Uh, How does um... one even compare? Metaphors are so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> And then Lucian goes on to make another, like, reference. He makes, like, two references in two sentences. I love the guy. Um, he's like, I might not fully cleanse the Augean stables, but I'll try. And the Augean or the Aegean stables are the ones that Heracles did in one of his labors where he had to clean the stables by redirecting a river. If, for more information, you can check out episodes two and three of the podcast for the trials of, of, Her of Heracles. I highly recommend um, them. They're good ones. I'm not uh, in them, pretty, so they're not quite they're of ones. the highest quality. Of, uh, <laughs> they're not as good project, as they could but... be. Um, the... So he just, he's like, you know, I, I don't think I'll be able to get rid of all of the, the crap that Alexander has done, but I'll try my mm. best. Mm -hmm. um, and then he also, he, he couches his, his writing again. He's like, first of all, this guy, Alexander, he does not deserve to be preserved in text. Um, what mm. he does deserve is to be torn apart by foxes and apes in an amphitheater in front of a cheering crowd. Um, wow. So, okay. so he's okay. not a fan. See, I thought I thought this was going to maybe detour into like the territory of like, so when you're done reading this, just burn it immediately. <laughs> just, just that <laughs> you can read this text, but when, then when you're done, or, or if it was on the wax tablets or whatever that you have, just like melt mm -hmm. it, wipe it away. <laughs> it uh -huh. has to be gone. But I uh, no, I, I it's fervent, like... fervent imagery of uh, torn apart. Yeah. That. Oh my goodness. To be fair, I, I I will come clean and say I I fudged it a little bit. He didn't oh. say foxes and apes he said foxes or apes so pick mm. one of the two you can't have both see that's um, an important selection i don't know which would be more painful <laughs> to get torn apart by like i think gorillas because they're just like i was gonna say i think the gorillas are scarier <laughs> to me um, like even just one gorilla like coming towards you and like <laughs> ready to tear you apart like oh god foxes in an amphitheater cute, in front of like so. a cheer a cheering crowd as well like you know yeah. eating popcorn and, and well ancient Making... popcorn <laughs> ancient popcorn don't know um, what the ancient popcorn would be. We've oh discussed God. some snack foods before, but I, yeah, I'm trying to rack my know. brain on them. This feels like something that editing side is going to have to come back in and clarify because I have no idea what they were editing snacking Zion, on. Please tell us the equivalent <laughs> of popcorn during this period. Tell us if there was concession stands. Did they go around and like, get your hot dogs here? The equivalent <laughs> yeah, yeah, of them yeah. at, the, at the games. 
Well, I have been summoned, and here I am, editing Zion here to talk about Roman spectator food. So one of the actually most popular, and I think would therefore be like the equivalent of our popcorn, would actually be chickpeas, which is something that Romans would snack on while watching spectator sports, such as something in the gladiatorial arena or something similar like that. Additionally, sort of bigger meals that they might purchase outside the arena from concession stands would be things like sausage or pastries. All right, that's all I got for now. Back to the show. Lucian then gets into the story of Alexander. Like he, he goes right into it and he starts describing. So he says, first of all, let's go over his physical description. Alexander was fine and handsome. Oh, um, oh, damn. Oh, both. okay, okay, okay. He had a um, he had an air of divinity about him. Mm-hmm. And see, that could be that. Yeah. Uh, I I'd be curious what kind of air of divinity. Because if we're talking like mm-hmm. a Festus air of divinity, then I'm not going to believe him anymore. <laughs> if we're talking like Apollo, sure, sure, I'll I'll be on board yeah, with yeah. it. I think. <laughs> I think you may have hit the nail right on the head. I definitely think oh, that Alexander would love to be associated with Apollo. So he used hair extensions, uh, but they were good ones. You couldn't tell. Um, mm, okay. Which begs the question, how did Lucian know that he used hair extensions if they were so good? Yeah. Also, I, I didn't really realize that, like, hair extension technology would, would go back that far. Like, I guess, like, a toupee can be, like, a universal thing. You can always get, yeah. like, hair from something and put it put it up there, but still. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of the idea of what it, what it was, is, like, I think... <laughs> The, the issue is that Alexander, I think, was balding in his early, like, earlier than most. And so he, you know, covered up his, his baldness with some sort of hair of some kind. He was moderately bearded, and he's got piercing eyes. It doesn't say what color, but just okay. that they are piercing. Just very um, intense. Okay, okay. And then his very next line is something like, but I would rather die than, like, come into contact with him. <laughs> oh, my um, God. <laughs> like, he may be really, like, you know, he seems to be described as fairly good looking, but he's like, I'd rather die, though, than, like, hang out it's with a- him. It's like an anti kind of Grinch monologue thing, still coming to the same conclusion. Like still, <laughs> yeah, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end of all of these st- things, still would not touch him with a thirty-nine and a half foot pole. Like not, mm-hmm. not gonna mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> still choosing the seasick crocodile in this in yeah. this situation. Over over this over this guy. Mm-hmm. Over this uh, guy. He said he's smart, but he uses mm. his like intelligence for evil. <laughs> um, and he's like he's like he's really smart. Like I would even put him as like smarter than Pythagoras. Um, who's an ancient mathematician. I know you know, but just for the for the listeners back home. For the listeners back home, um, yeah. And then he actually clarifies, he's like, not in raw intelligence. I think Pythagoras is probably smarter than him, but mm-hmm. Alexander is clever enough that he would be able to discredit and ruin Pythagoras so handedly that no one would care about Pythagoras anymore. That is... Um, he could disprove the Pythagorean theorem so much <laughs> yes, of what we somehow. did. If only this guy had done it, because so I mean, I like geometry, but I know that there's a lot of people who, uh, it's not their favorite class to take, so, uh, if this guy had just ruined Pythagoras, we could have had such a different education system. We could have been learning about uh, how to be conniving and cunning and lying <laughs> and deceiving. He should have made good on his uh, threats and promises. Yeah. Um, he goes on. Uh, in Alexander's youth, he was even more attractive. Mm. Um, and in his youth, he actually attracted the attention of, quote, a charlatan who deals in magic and mystic incantations. Um, okay. This man is not named, but he's he's basically talked about how he's kind of Alexander's tutor in the mm. world of magic and mystic and and to be fair herbal kind of remedies so like these kind of mystics would often actually use herbs and mm. plants and things to accomplish healing or, or something so they weren't all like fraudulent like there was actual some real like meat there to their studies and things well i was going to um, ask in this context i realized you kind of said that uh lucian was very kind of anti-mystic and it, it, it occurred to me that he was mostly kind of in the skeptical mode, but was it actually in like, he believed in these things and he's just like, but I just don't like what they do. I just, I think that they need to do a better job. <laughs> no, he's it's like hating a profession. He's just like, I hate blacksmiths. I think that they're, they're useless. 
useless. He's definitely a, he's definitely a skeptic. I like the idea. Of what mm-hmm. if like he's like um he's he's like a squib or something, right? He's yeah. like oh, or he or what's um he's like Petunia from Harry Potter, just like mad yeah. that the that other he's people have these powers. He's just jealous. He just wishes he's that like, there was a charlatan that had sidled up yeah. and being like, here's how you do alchemy, my friend. Here's here's yeah, all the yeah. secrets of the alchemical arts. He's, he's like, why didn't anyone tell me how to turn like metal into gold? Um. Speaking of, this kind of relates, actually. So I went to the British Museum uh, a couple weeks ago, and I think it was there that I saw it. Um, there was actually a, like a, a spoon or maybe it was a knife. I forget exactly what it was, but it was basically made. So it looked like a normal knife, except part of it was actually gold, made out of gold. So oh. the idea was that if you were pretending to be a philosopher, you would take a regular knife that looked like this one, dip it in your <laughs> substance, and swap it with the other one, pull it out, and be like, look, the tip is gold now. It oh my, my thing God. worked. And I was like, that's amazing. That's so good. That's I, incredible. I love that, like, part of the old kind of style of magic still has a trace of, like, the newer style of magic of, like, sleight of hand and just, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Just, just blatant that kind of deception. Don't look in the box. Oh, oh, we open it up. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Half of the knife is now gold. Woo. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, we just need the full kind of, like, David Blaine of the, and now I'm going to just take the knife and just, like, cut into my cheeks. And I feel no pain. Like, like yeah, something yeah. Uh, fully committed to it. That's. I, I I love that. I love yeah, the degree of Yeah, it's a bit tangential, but it does, that. I feel, like, heavily relate. So I was like, I'm going to bring this up yeah. real quick. No, knowing um, the tactics that, that Lucian is dealing with, I get why he's yeah. angry with them. <laughs> why he's annoyed, wants to disprove. Uh, so Alexander grew, uh, and his mentor, this unnamed mystic man, died. And Alexander, then it says that he didn't have his youth, his youthful looks to rely on anymore, so he needed to, like, mm. do something to earn money. Yeah. Um, yeah. He found but a partner, and... I know, right? I wish I could still rely on my youth and my youthful <sighs> good looks. Fades every day. Um, um, he found a partner in a man named Konas, and the two began, like, running schemes together to, like, trick dumb people. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They took advantage of a woman named Pella, uh, like, mm-hmm. using her funds. Like, she was just an old woman who had, like, who was fairly wealthy. And they were just like, oh, we need to borrow some money. And so they would just, like, take money from this woman and use that to fund their schemes. Um huh. And in Pella, which is a, a territory in the Roman Empire, um, there existed a very large breed of a tame serpent, a big, like, very docile snake. Okay, um, okay. They're very, very chill. It's even specified, Lucian said, they didn't mind being, like, stepped on. Like, they wouldn't care. Um, <laughs> it's like and the they don't even... tread on me snake, except the... Uh, <laughs> like, the... Do, do tread on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please tread on me, please. <laughs> um, and they even, apparently, uh, draw milk from the breast, like infants, so that's the question. Are women breastfeeding these snakes in Pella? That's what I didn't understand. Yeah. Or is he saying that some snakes have nipples that these other snakes are then breastfeeding Coming from? up to and, and yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I loved that section. I was like. Both of these oh. are equally. One of them is a clearly more acceptable option. But I also just. Yeah. I, I don't want to know I how they came I don't to think either are acceptable. <laughs> a snake like i mean we, we don't fault it when mammals like we we see like like small puppies and stuff doing that kind of thing so like snake, no but, i don't like, mean that it's against like, i don't mean that it's morally wrong i just mean like snakes don't have nipples it's just against um, nature it's just wrong his just, facts are it's, incorrect it's not, yeah. yeah exactly yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. i'm that's what i'm mad about i do i do really like you're like please tread on me meme yeah. for this for these snakes so please, um, please yeah. tread on me and feed me milk <laughs> that's that's what these snakes are all about yeah um so Alexander and Kokonas, they bought the finest example of these snakes they could find, and that'll that'll come up later. 
Okay. Um, keep that in mind. Not much later, but you know. <laughs> I, I want to know what they explained to this old woman that they were going to be using the funds for. And maybe this will come up later, but like, instead of snakes, like what the excuse was for, uh, like, <laughs> oh yeah, we're, we're buying scrolls to uh, help with our learning in some kind of process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're definitely going to just buy the snakes. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and they just come She's back with a snake. Gonna know. Yeah. <laughs> You need um, to tell me you didn't get the scroll. No, the snake no. had more to tell. You don't us. understand. Look the snake the... was more important. Look at the milk. We can uh, milk this snake. We can have a, a goat. Uh, uh, not a goat. Uh, we a can snake have a, milk we can have a cheese booming Snake milk empire. <laughs> yes. Oh god. Um, the the pair then decided to figure out a way to make money, and Alexander pointed out he was like, "Okay, what people want most, and what, Nick, what do you think people want most?" Okay, what do I think people? Um, I mean, I'm inclined to say during this period it would be food, but that seems too obvious. Uh, let's see. Light bulbs, but they can't have them yet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what they really want is modern technology. <laughs> he actually let's was like kind of a automobile. magician. He, like he invented a light bulb. He was just like, but we can't mass produce this. This is useless. It just throws <laughs> it over his shoulder. What do they want? Uh, I'm still in the food category, but what kind of food? Cheese. I think they want some snake. Cheese. You're back to the snake cheese. I'm back to the snake cheese. I'm, I'm into it because, again, I don't see why they would buy the snakes or entertainment. You have the snakes fight each other. Uh, but they're oh. very docile, so you—it's really—it's really. You can pay to step on this snake. <laughs> exactly. People just want power. They want to feel powerful. Um, I think that you may have hit towards the end there. What oh. Alexander thought: what people most want is knowledge of the future. They want to know things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's and he says like as is shown by the great like generational wealth of places like Delphi and other oracles. Mm. Like people like constantly are going to them and giving them gifts and paying them for all these services and things. And, he, and then he's like, he looks to, his, to Kokonas and he's like, we should do that. We should become an oracle. Um, Why has nobody else thought about becoming the oracle of Delphi before? Like these fools, like, it's no right one. in front of them. These fools, it's free money. Yeah. Um, so Alexander was like, all right, this scheme is going to work. And we can do it in my hometown of Abonotaikos. And Kokonas was like, no, we should do it in Chalcedon. Um, but instead they were like, okay. Let's combine our two ideas. The pair then constructed a set of bronze tablets that were engraved and said, like, okay, um, Asclepius and Apollo will soon be moving to Abonoteikos, um, and a new temple needs to be constructed there. Then they buried these tablets at the current temple of Apollo that was in Chalcedon already. Okay, Um, okay. And they, they arranged for the tablets to be discovered by someone. I'm, I, I was about to say, I'm very curious if this is, like, a very, like, popular, like, traffic site. If, like, if it's, if this is something secluded or if just, like, just two guys out front. Also, just very quickly aside as well, when you said we're going to combine our two ideas, I thought uh, I really just wanted the next line to be, we're going to form a city called Talcadon Alcadabaikos, <laughs> just, like, halfway between the two. <laughs> like, like, actually just very literally combining. But but returning mm. to this, that, like, just in front of everyone, they were just burying these. Just, just move. We're just, we're fixing the pipes. Just move along. Don't yeah, worry move about along, it. There's nothing going to be found here. And then, um, and, then some, and then, like, a week later, they're like, whoa, where'd these tablets come from? Who could have predicted that, like, the, the grass is still, like, very clearly <laughs> very undergrown still, on the yeah. spot as well? Um, so then, they, yeah, they buried them and arranged for the tablets to be discovered. Then Alexander headed home. And Kokonas, he remained in Chalcedon. Uh, but then he got bit by a snake and died. Uh, so Kokonas is gone from the story. He's not going to come up ever again. <laughs> 
it, it, it was not one of the snakes that they would have bought, right? It would have been nope. a separate kind of... No, okay. just another, okay. another, maybe another snake-based venture that he got into. Oh, my um, goodness. Oh my I goodness. don't know. I, there's no info except that he's dead. And I'm like, okay, will cool. Be it's sad that he will um, never be able to see the profits that he could have reaped from what I'm oh, sure is going man, to be an would, incredible There would have been venture. profits. Yeah. So real quick, we're going to go over who Asclepius is because that's on the tablets to say Asclepius and Apollo. And mm -hmm. Apollo, I think, is a pretty well-known god of medicine and of like oracle ship and like mm -hmm. archery and poetry i think too he, he does a lot many, of stuff many things also um, sun right he's, he's yes 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 sun. also the sun <laughs> <laughs> um so asclepius though is a bit less of an obvious god and uh he is the son of apollo um he is a god of medicine and healing he was originally a mortal not immortal he was a mortal a, -mortal. a, a mortal being and um he was born from apollo and a, and a mortal woman named coronis uh but, and this is interesting, this this kind of trope comes up quite a lot in the terms of birth from gods, I think, obviously, to make it so it could actually happen. Um, Coronis was unfaithful while pregnant, um, and so then Apollo then burned her uh, alive. Um, but before she died, he cut out the baby from her, um, hence Asclepius, because Asclepius uh, means to cut. Um, okay. So that's that's how the baby got his name. Um, I'm sure that he was not happy about having that, like to have that as a constant reminder of like, hey, remember how your mother died because you, you had to be cut out of your mother because she got burned alive by your dad? Like just um, having that yeah. like burden on, like that would be be like, I guess maybe not quite a, somebody being named Cesarian or something like that. Uh, I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Like, hey, my, my, hey, hey, dad, what happened to mom? Uh, you know, uh. Uh, she uh she got a little bit sunburnt. She just she was she, out in the sun for just a little too she long. <laughs> She's gone. I don't know. Who knows? She I don't left know. this mortal realm. <laughs> um, so Asclepius then grew up and he began practicing medicine. And he even he got so good at it he was able to resurrect the dead. Um, that's how good this dude was at medicine. We got a regular Frankenstein in there. Oh yeah, man! Right? Oh man! I want to know more about this guy. And Zeus and Hades didn't like that. Hades was like, he's taking people from my realm. And Zeus was like, this is upsetting the natural order. So he yeah. got, he, he had Asclepius get struck by lightning and die. Um, but what he failed Apollo, to realize is Asclepius could bring back the dead. <laughs> <laughs> he had already set into motion the self-resurrection yeah. ritual. Just um, a Rue Goldberg machine of, of things falling onto his grave <laughs> to, to bring him back. Um, and Apollo did not like that because Zeus had just killed his kid. So he yeah. then, he went, Apollo then went and killed all the Cyclops. Because the Cyclops had built Zeus his thunderbolt. Um, uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. And then Zeus and Apollo were mad at each other. And Apollo was like, all right, let's, 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 or Zeus was like, let's, let's fix this. I'll resurrect Asclepius as a god. Like I'll make him into a mm -hmm. god. Um, mm -hmm. I feel so like Hades would still be kind of like, you know, I'm still losing someone. Like I, <laughs> I, still I have gained, that guy. I've gained nothing from that. <laughs> yeah. And then Zeus is like, fine. And then he strikes a couple more random people with lightning. He's like, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean, that is a very Zeus thing to do. Um, and Asclepius was heavily, once he became a god, he was heavily associated with snakes. Like at his shrines, there would be snakes mm. in the shrines. They would even be credited as being like the physical form of the god who would be there to mm. heal you. He could appear to you in your dream as a physical human god or as a snake. Um, uh -huh. And there's many stories, the most the most well-documented one by Ovid, um, that Asclepius would actually travel between shrines as a snake. So whenever there was going to be a new temple built to Asclepius, um, you'd have to go to the old temple and there would be a snake there and you would bring it with you. And as you, if you arrived at the new temple with the snake, Asclepius would like bless that new shrine and that would be his like new oh, kind of resting okay. place. Okay. Um, I wonder what 
a snake blessing someplace looks like. Like, uh, I'm very curious as to, like, just like the tongue comes out in like a particular kind of way. It's like, oh man, he's given us the like, pattern. Oh, he's, blessed he's, he's, he's blessed. He's licked the rock. He's, he, yeah. he has blessed this rock. Um, yeah, the, the story, the Ovid one is, is pretty good. It's just, it's, uh, these Romans went to go get Asclepius and then a big snake shows up. They, they bring him on their boat oh, okay. and they bring him to this island in Rome and he sets up a temple there and, and they have like carvings that still exist. Um, that's and so cool. Asclepius is also heavily associated. His staff has a snake orbiting, like like encircling his staff. Not like the double snakes. Oh. That's like Apollo, but it's mm -hmm. like a, it's similar. Um, Interesting. So that's just a quick, like who Asclepius is. And this is who Alexander is claiming is going to come to their town. Um, I like Asclepius. I don't like that Alexander's using, no? <laughs> taking his name against him. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And Asclepius is heavily associated with healing, but also with like, because he's associated with Apollo with like mm -hmm. the future predicting Oracle stuff. Okay. Um, okay. So Alexander returned home with a new look. Uh, mm. He had curly hair now. Uh, a new toupee. Beautiful, beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> he had purple robes and he held a scimitar in order to like reference Perseus, I think, who also used a scimitar. I don't know okay. why. Um, it, I, I feel like he's just going for as much iconography as possible. Like yes, he is yes. just whatever. Po <laughs> we have a snake. We got the purple. We got the scimitar. I need, I need people to look everything. at me. I need people to pay attention to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, he began imitating madness, trying to really get the vibe that he was a prophet. Um, mm -hmm. He would foam at the mouth and issue prophecies, but he would foam at the mouth only because he would chew soapwort, which is a kind of root that would create like foaming. So he would just chew that and then he'd be like, ah, I have a, I have a, I have a vision. And people would be like, whoa, maybe this guy actually knows what he's talking about. Um, the fact that we that, that that we already have this account, I feel like, is uh, is revealing how this is going to end poorly for him. I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm I'm simultaneously rooting for him at the same time as like, oh, it, like let's get his down. When will let's this go. When will this happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the town, like, once these tablets were buried up, the town uh, was really excited that this that Apollo and Asclepius were coming. So they started building a temple already. Yeah. Um, it's like so a new tourist like, opportunity. It's yeah, yeah. It is. It's like a big deal. It's like, yeah. you know, new industry, people will come to your town for the for the oracle and to give sacrifices and then they're going to need to eat, right? They're going to yeah. go to the ancient McDonald's and they um, have to. that kind of thing. Uh, Alexander was like, all right, I'm going to make sure that they know that I'm the, that I'm the prophet. So what he mm. did, he took, a, he took a goose egg and he emptied okay. it out, right? You know that thing where you can like poke a hole and you drain the, the juice, yeah. the yeah. egg juice. Um, <laughs> and he then, he then put a baby snake in there. Ah. And he um, he then sealed the hole that he had made with like wax and and, and things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, he then hid it in the building site of the new temple. Um, <sighs> and the next morning, he ran around town, foaming at the mouth in his underwear, running around, be like, "This the god has arrived!" This and everyone's incredible. like, "Everyone's like, what? Huh?" So they all keep. Yeah. There's a crowd, right? They all follow him, and he goes to the building site. He's like, "Huh? Huh? Here it is!" And he pulls out the egg, and everyone's like, "Whoa!" Then he smashes yeah. open the egg, and inside is a snake. And so, based on the stories that they understand. This snake has arrived. It's the new form of Asclepius. The goddess. It here. is the sign of the birth of the new god. Yeah, yeah. and this guy found I, it. So yeah, he's. I mean, that is such a fun trick. Also, when when coming onto this podcast, I did not expect so many snakes to be put in so many dynamic situations. <laughs> it's a very, so it's very snake methods. heavy. It's a very snake it, heavy episode. It is very impressive. Also, I'm just like. Now it's just giving me the image of, of cracking open a, an egg to find a snake inside of just like, I'm just imagining just like on a Sunday morning, like you're just making breakfast. Like, <laughs> you're just, like if, if these signs from the gods actually existed and you're just trying to make an omelet and you just crack open the egg and, and a snake comes out and you're just like, I guess I have to build a temple. Like, <laughs> like man, my house is, is going to be a temple to it. It's sleepiest. No. I wanted to have a good breakfast. I wanted to just make some eggs benedict. And now I have to go gather some stones <laughs> to make to a temple. Now I have to go make a stone temple. <sighs> yeah. Um, so 
he then like you know he took his little snake and everyone's like whoa crazy crazy they're all following him he runs back to his home and he locks his door and he doesn't come out for days and everyone's oh, okay. like he's doing this intentionally like build hype everyone's like more people are coming to town and gathering around his house. They're like, what's happening? What's going on in there? Yeah. And then... He's letting the word spread so that he can yeah. really crescendo. Okay. And then he uses his secret weapon. This is this is the key of his whole escapade. Oh. So, remember that snake from earlier? The big docile snake. I do remember he, the big docile snake. What he did, Alexander sat on a couch in his home, took the big docile snake and wrapped it around himself in like a long, complicated way, eventually mm-hmm. tucking the head of the snake in his armpits. He couldn't... So no one could see the snake's head. I see. He then... He took out a linen, humanoid-looking puppet head that had been painted and had hair added to it. And could you, he could use horse hair that had been made into a way that he could open and close the mouth of the, the puppet and even oh. make a tongue come out. He then arranges it on, on his body. So it looked yeah. like that this snake had a human-ish puppet head. Um, okay. He then had it so okay. people would come in and see the new god itself. Ah. People were amazed at this human-headed snake god that had grown from a tiny snake to a fully-sized snake in the matter of days oh and now could, could fully articulate and move its mouth and flick out its tongue. And people were people were blown away. They were like, god, the god has descended and is among us right now. I, I mean, I would be too. Uh, like, I'm, I'm, I, I, I am impressed on a number of levels. First of all, the fact that this must have been decent enough of a production like he must have had some artistic skill or like maybe he outsourced it to people who like mm. were really good at keeping secrets or something like he just went to the town over and is like don't worry about what i'm making this for just just <laughs> well, i just need it on the down low very quickly um so i but, just i really like the idea that this is literally just like it's just a muppet yeah that he's making people believe is a god yeah like it's, it's a muppet god it's it is the equivalent of like if this was a frog situation and he pulled out like kermit <laughs> like to, to yeah to, he pulled like, out kermit the frog and everyone's like whoa and then he's like hey everybody you went into like kind of the, here. I, I can't do a kermit either i feel like i was getting some <laughs> swedish chef vibes as well but that oh, kind of fits too because it's more of like a human kind of form as well it's perfect yeah, it's good this is honestly the part that i thought i was like i know nick likes the muppets maybe that this is gonna be a good episode I'm, for nick I, I love it. I love it. It's terrifying <laughs> to me, the fact that it, it worked. Is, it but, is, like, I'm yeah. impressed. I I was not necessarily on board with this guy's scheme until we finally got to the puppetry section. Because, like, yeah. is, I also maybe like to think that, like, some people just knew that he was faking it. But, like, they were so impressed with his skill. They were like, you know what? Sure. It's a god. Like, <laughs> a god could it's not fine. have created something this impressive. Like, that's um, cool. So, he, Lucian, to be fair, he kind of comes to these people's aid. He's like, okay, these people were dumb, obviously. But also, let's be fair. Put put yourself in their in their shoes. This house is dark and dimly lit. Mm. You go in, you see him from across the room with this weird snake with this weird looking head. You get you don't get that good of a look at it because there's so many people trying to come into this house at once that you're immediately mm. funneled throughout the back door so other people can come in and look again. So it's basically mm-hmm. like you're just cycling through it very very quickly, getting a very brief look at this human headed thing that mm-hmm. looks like it looks like the snake has a human head, and you're like, whoa, that's crazy. I can't believe um, what I've just seen. And especially, yeah, exactly. I'm sure, as the hype kind of builds as well around it, like people saying, like, oh, yeah. I just saw a snake with a human head, you kind of become more inclined to believe your neighbor or your, or your yeah. best friend who just saw the thing. Exactly. Um, so during this time, Alexander, he declared, like, people began, like, sculpting and praising the new god. There were, like, different, like, statues made of him and all these kind of things. Alexander declared the new god had a new name. Um, oh. And his name, his name was Glycon, grandson of Zeus. Um, okay. And glycon, it, it 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 has very close associations with like sweetness or like sugar. So he basically mm. like the, the god's name is like sweetie. Um, 
Oh. He possibly is referencing another kind of snake god whose name was uh, Trophonius, mm. um, who was, who was a, uh, an incubation god, where basically what you would do is you would go into this dark cave. You would have to bring two honey cakes with you, and mm. you would give them to two snakes, potentially, and then you would, like, sit in this dark chamber for, like, hours or days on end, and then you would get a vision yeah. from the god, and you'd come back out. It was a very claustrophobic experience from what I've read about it. Um, Interesting. And actually, in the previous episode that I recorded with Sean, there was a reference to this that I just did not understand because I hadn't read about this yet. Mm-hmm. When one of the characters in the clouds is like, oh, I don't want to go in there. It looks scary. Can I have a honey cake? Is like this whole yeah. thing that Sean, that Sean and I did. Um, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about the cave of Trophonius and that he needs a honey cake to go in there so the god doesn't is not displeased with him. And I was like, at the time, I was like, I don't know what this means. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's like, what why means. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, I, that, I thought that was connected. funny. The interconnected, in, like, exactly. uh, it's a classic universe of references yeah, the, and, the, and it's, knowledge. The it's a classic universe, aka just the universe that we live in. Wait, this is, you, you're not making this up, Simon? No, this, this is real. What? <laughs> this happened. What? Four episodes <laughs> in, and I thought that, uh, I mean, I was really confused about the bs because I really thought that you were just <laughs> you making were like, up facts that like I had to just get the answers to. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, so basically, at the end of the day, Alexander had these people right where he wanted them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now, multi-level next... marketing scheme is really going off nicely. The now next section of the me. the thing that I have is titled "The Schemes Begin," which oh. I think that the schemes have begun, but now they really begin. Okay, um, okay. Alexander declared that the god would begin answering questions. Mm. All you had to do was write your question or topic on a scroll and seal it with a wax seal, and then get mm. and then you know pay for it. Obviously, you got to pay for it, and you give yeah, it to course, us. Of course, of course, you have to. You have to, the money helps the god like channel. Uh, otherwise, how can I understand what Glycon is thinking? Yeah, um, yeah. And it will be returned to you, this scroll, with the wax seal still intact, but the answer to your question will be attached. And everyone's oh, like, oh, wow. truly a godly thing. But Well, that's incredible as well, because, like, wax is, is basically, like, metal as well. Like, the, once it's it's been broken, there's nothing that you <laughs> can do nothing, to reseal exactly. it again. It's, it's exactly, um, it's, it's, it's so difficult. So Lucian, Lucian does then say, Alexander was known to have methods of getting around this, so... One of the methods was, and this is apparently has been used up until recent days to try to get through wax seals, is you take a needle, you heat it up, you're then able to slide it underneath the wax seal to separate it from the the letter itself. And then all you have to do is heat the wax up again at the end and put it back on the letter. And then Mm. you're able to open the letter, read it, answer the question to the best of your ability, just be like, take a guess. But people won't even really care if you're all that right, because they'll just be amazed that you were able to answer without even reading it, because the god obviously was able to do that. Yeah, I was um, able to see through the parchment. Was there any indication as to, like, what kind of questions were uh, were asked of the god? Uh, so, we'll get to some of them later, some examples okay, that I have. Okay. Um, at this point, no, not not specifically. Uh, okay. He also would use kind of a mold where he would, like, just put this kind of, like, mix of wax and, like, pitch, like, like tree pitch mm-hmm. and, like, sand and things. He would put it on the seal and it would take a mold of it. And then he would just break the seal and then you could just pour wax into that mold and just make a new identical seal, put it back on the letter. Yeah. Um so people were still amazed. They were like, oh my God, the God can can answer my questions without even, without how, did, even how does yeah. he do it? Yeah. Um, no, that's, I mean, I, I, again, like admiring the techniques that are involved in this as well. Like yeah. that is, it is very inventive to be able to do all this. Like, to be fair, yeah. And also, again, Lucian clarifies that Alexander didn't like lie and make up the answers for all of these questions. He did know, he did have like a knowledge of herbs and herbal remedies. So whenever mm-hmm. someone was like, oh, my stomach hurts. What do I do? He's like, oh, eat this. Like he would just actually just give them a, like a treatment for it. Um, yeah. But if it wasn't dealing with that, he would just make something up and just guess and be vague. 
Um, I feel like the equivalent nowadays would be like somebody like uh, a company trying to say like, we have an AI doctor that's able to diagnose all of your, your cures, but there's actually just one doctor just answering all the questions. Just like, and it's, really quickly, and yeah. it's like, it's, it's an actually helpful doctor, but it's just, it's been dressed up to be like, oh no, all, all of it's done through, uh, through IBM's Watson uh, yeah, yeah. neural net mind kind of thing. <laughs> um, he charged per question and soon began raking it in. He was making a lot of money. He began hiring assistants to expand the business. So you were right in the idea that there was other people involved. Um, he would just pay them for their silence and for their, like, support. Yeah. Um, soon, of course, as everybody does, he got some haters. Um, specifically the Epicureans, who were, they were these, they were followers of Epicurus, and they were, like, opposing oracles, and they claimed Alexander was a fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexander then began issuing decrees saying, like, the god has spoken that <laughs> there are non-believers... <laughs> <laughs> and they must be stoned to death if they ever appear. Whoa, wait, whoa. Um, yes, whoa, he was basically whoa. saying that these atheists and Christians should not be listened to and they should be stoned to death if they if they come and threaten the god. That isn't, uh, I guess, and this would be within kind of the purview of, of just the town. So I guess like he's kind of taken control and power of the town. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's starting to get, it's 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 midsummer kind of cultish vibes kind of oh, going yeah. on at this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, oh man, okay. Um, instead of bears, it's a snake though. Yeah. I haven't seen Midsummer. <laughs> I just know what bear is involved, I think. I, I, will, um, I will leave it to your enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for the especially wealthy and important customers, mm-hmm. Alexander devised a new addition to the god to make it even oh. more interesting. He attached a series of crane windpipes. So the windpipes of the crane, the bird, um, mm-hmm. attached them together to make a long tube, okay. snaked that tube into the mouth, into like the head of the fake god, and then snaked the other end outside of the building so that an uh-huh. assistant could speak into the tube and would therefore it would seem god. that the god was speaking um directly I so now if the, the god... lips were still moving in concert <laughs> yeah. with it well, or just I you just had, had an guess, open right? mouth he yeah. didn't really know what he was saying the assistant so alexander would have to be like catching up on like whether it was open or not yeah um oh my goodness and that... yeah oh my this god. so this was a way for the god to not only like he didn't have to speak through alexander anymore now the god could just speak um, which made people even more convinced that this was real. They were like, oh my God, yeah. the snake god can talk. It's got the voice um, with it. If I pay, pay for the premium subscription, I can get direct exactly. words from, that's, the god, from the god himself. That's like Incredible. literally what this is, yeah. Incredible. Um, one of these prophecies was given to Severian, who was a Roman governor, um, and he was like, ah, should I invade Armenia? Um, and the god was like, yes, no. you should You should invade Armenia. You will defeat no! them easily. <laughs> and then they invaded Armenia and lost horribly. Oh, and man. then what they what Alexander did is just went into the records because it was a verbal prophecy. He just yeah. changed it in the records and said, "No, we actually said not to invade Armenia because oh, there was no man, evidence." Oh man, typo. There was a typo. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so you sorry. You thought we said do it? No, we said don't do it. You missed the don't yeah. somehow. Yeah, um, there was a deliberate no in that yes. You should have. You should have recognized it. Uh, he often did this for other things like sick men surviving and things. So he'd be like, "Oh no, you'll live," and then they would die. He'd be like, "No, I said you were going to die." It was a metaphorical living. He's going to live in Hades. It's Dude, fine. You don't even know how exactly <laughs> spot on you are to a prophecy that's going to come up in about a minute. I love him. Um, so we also, he struck a deal with nearby oracles, like from other towns. Mm-hmm. And he just began referring people to them. So you would come to this oracle and be like, oh, I need an answer to this question. He'd be like, it's like when you shake a magic eight ball and he's like, come back later. He would just yeah, be like, go to this yeah. other oracle. <laughs> They'll yeah. give you the answer. And I was like, what? Your aura is just really not aligning right now yeah. with Asclepius. He just gets... You need to, we, need to get, we need to hit you up to another oracle down the road. 
I wonder if there was also just like bad days for the puppet as well, where it was just really starting to like from wear and tear, just mm-hmm. starting to. And it was like, no, we need a the, the god needs to rest today. The god and, needs uh, to rest. Today, it's a recovery exactly. day. Um, so then we get into this guy named Rutilianus, who was he held many high offices in Rome. He's a very important Roman official. Um, and he was fascinated by this oracle. He sent many servants to like hear from the oracle themselves because he was in Rome mostly. Um, and they came back impressed. They were like, oh, my God, like this. He's legit. He's a snake. He's a snake, but he's got a human head. He yeah. it's it, it's like he can talk. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The stories really built it up. Yeah. So Rutilianus then began praising this oracle to all the other elites of Rome. And soon mm. this oracle wasn't just giving the prophecies to this small town. Yeah. The elites of Rome were coming to this town to get oracles and, and prophecies from Alexander. Um, I, I, I should not judge, but I, when I hear things like this, I begin to question how the Roman Empire lasted even as remotely long <laughs> as it did. Like, I know that it was probably just that there were some very competent people underneath the very incompetent people. Yes. Uh, but like, my goodness. Uh, the best part that I really like here, just more of Alexander's like sneakiness and cleverness all of these elites, right? They obviously would have some pretty like saucy or like not very flattering questions, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Sometimes, mm-hmm. if Alexander found a question was particularly like bad for some someone, dirt, some dirt on each other, he would just keep it. He wouldn't give it back. So now mm. he had blackmail information. All these elites of Rome that he could reveal things that they had done. So he was holding all of these kind of questions. And if you were someone who submitted it and you didn't get your question back, you were like, "Uh, where's my question?" Uh, Alexander, and he's like, oh, I don't know. The god decided to keep it. The god brought it up to Olympus, and he thought it was so funny he needed to show it to all <laughs> his friends how pathetic your question is. Um, so he just he just had blackmail over all these people now. Yeah. Um, so I... Rutilianus obviously was a big fan. He mm-hmm. submitted a lot of questions, so Lucian recaps a couple of them. Um, one of them, he's like, okay, my son is coming of age. I need to teach him something. What should, what should I teach him? Um, and then mm. the the god Glycon responds with a ah Pythagoras, the mighty battle bard, talking about like he should learn Pythagoras. Yeah. Um, the kid then died a few days later. Um, everyone's panicking, and Rutilianus is like, "Oh, what? My my oracle could not possibly be wrong." And Alexander's like, "No, no, no, no! You don't understand. The kid is studying in Hades with the real Pythagoras because he's dead, oh, and now the kid is dead no. too." Um, oh no! And Rutilianus oh. is like. Oh, Oh, yeah. He, like, he, he like, immediately won over. Again, it's one of those things where, like, it, it is, like, long-term damaging to believe in this stuff. But also, like, there could be seen a silver lining and, like, he's giving the dad some comfort to think, yeah. like, oh, no. Like, it, it's the equivalent of, like, oh, no, our dog is, is off in the magical farm uh, just, just <laughs> yeah, having exactly. fun with all the other dogs kind of thing. But, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another question he has, like, oh, who should I marry? Because this child they had was from an ex-wife. And so he was like, who should mm-hmm. I marry? And Alexander's like, you know, I have a daughter, actually. Maybe you should oh. marry. Oh, my <laughs> so God. It's like, oh, my God. Um, but it not even does he, he doesn't even say that it's just his daughter. He says it's my and Selene, the goddess of the moon um, in Roman mythology. I, I hooked up with Selene and that's who my daughter is. So you should marry her because, like, she's kind of part God. Rutilianus is like, amazing. Yes, of course I will marry your daughter. See, I I understand sometimes where uh, you can kind of state like, um, 
oh yeah, like Zeus kind of came down and stuff like that. But if if I were if I were her actual mom, and and this guy was being like, oh yeah, like I slept with Celine, and I had I had carried this baby to term after nine yeah, yeah. months, and all of that I stuff, mean, and like in addition to possibly care. raising the child, leave. I'd be like. I'm I'm burning down this temple. I am, <laughs> this racket is over. Like. Uh, so then, uh, additionally, in Rome, Alexander then set up like an intelligence committee, basically who would gather info on all of the elites, like a spy society, so that if they asked a question, Alexander could refer to his intelligence agency and be like, okay, what's the deal with this guy? What, what should I tell yeah. him? Um, yeah. So he would just be able to get better and better questions. They would come back to him more and more and more, and he have more and more and more influence. It's it is um, literally like the equivalent of modern. There's like cold and hot reading, like in in modern yeah. mediums. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah, you yeah. just yeah, you just you just look things up ahead of time, and you know exactly what to do if you're reading a celebrity. <laughs> That's what That's he's doing. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, but he wanted to even further establish himself. So Alexander conducted like a super long ceremony, um, like the mysteries of Glycon essentially that he was conducting. Uh-huh. So he had all these different things of like he reenacted the birth of Glycon and he reenacted himself finding the egg at the temple and reenacted mm. even him and Celine hooking up. Like he like he like had this whole play of like the moon like seeing him and being like, oh, so infatuated with him. Alexander was very full, very <laughs> he thought a lot of very himself. Very full sure. of himself. Yeah. Um and then uh Lucian goes on to um to talk about a conversation that that exists between Glycon and this guy named Sarkerdos of Tius. Um, okay. So this is like a documented conversation, the verbal okay. one, because Glycon was talking Finally. back with the, with the... Finally, we're going to get some good, um, some juicy details. It's not anything... <laughs> so, um, Sarkerdos, and I assume he's paying per question, because that's how these things work, or maybe he just mm-hmm. paid for the audience in general, like a flat yeah. fee. You could um, do like a down payment. like Yeah, a, yeah. probably. Uh, he said, who are you, Lord Glycon? And Glycon responds with, I am the new Asclepius. Uh, so he's saying, like, I'm like a new form of this of this god that you know. Um, yeah. The old Taylor's dead right now. Uh, yeah, he can't come to the phone right now. The old Taylor's can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because he's dead. He's immortal. He's, he's, immortal. Immortal. he's immortal, but he's not here. He's not available. Yep. Yep. Um, and then uh, Sarkados is like, another? Different from the former? Um, and then Glycon responds with, that is not for you to know. Yes, the uh, mysteries of the universe. Beautiful. Yeah. And then he, he asks, how many years will you prophesize among us? Um, and Glycon responds saying, a thousand and three years. Oh, um, it's a long time. Very long time. Um, that is the biggest promise that I think has been made thus far. <laughs> like, maybe he should have gone to, like, maybe the life expectancy of Alexander. Yeah, like exactly. That, <laughs> that is the number of years. And then I will depart. Uh, and then Sarkados is like, oh, where will you go after this? Um, and Glycon responds, Bactria. Even the barbarians need my guidance. Oh, my goodness. Um, then he actually just pulls asks, out a fully yeah. anachronistic thing. He's like, oh, well, I guess a thousand years from then still would be like the 1100. But he's just like, ah, oh, London. I don't know. Like, I mean, <laughs> Where? Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. It's You'll not for you to know. Your kids um, are going to love it. Um. <laughs> um, Sarkidos then asks, are the other oracles legit like you? Are they real? And then he says, oh, that's not for you to know. He didn't want to ruin his business ventures. He's referring all these people to the other oracles. He couldn't say no. I'm the only real yeah, one. Yeah, and probably I feel um, like uh, I'm not going to judge the other oracles and their veracity, except uh, I'm going to say I'm a skeptic. Uh, but probably he doesn't. How want, dare if they're, you? If they're using, stone him! Uh, stone the non-believer! Ah, no! No! <laughs> hey, we're not in Greece. I'm safe. Um, oh, true, true. No, um, that he probably didn't. If they had like similar blackmail techniques and stuff like that, he uh, he probably didn't want to rat out his fellow magicians. Ah, um, uh, true. Um, then finally, Sarkados asks, "What will I be in my next life?" Um, and Glycon responds, "Oh, you'll be a camel." And then you will be a horse. And then you will be a prophet like Alexander. 
beautiful. And I assume that Sarkodos walked away being like, oh, not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, there are definitely worse things to be than a camel, but I also think that's a very interesting progress. Like, I I really uh, admire Alexander's creative mind, but like that, that, I appreciate the unspecificity as well of just like a camel. And then... Uh, uh, a horse, very similar to a camel, and <laughs> well, then a prophet. As well, it probably wasn't even Alexander, right? It was the assistant out there being like, yeah. oh, a camel, then a horse, and then a prophet. And Alexander's just like... Burr, 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 just I wonder if Alexander thing. ever fired anybody. Like, if, if there was somebody who was so bad at giving... A camel, answers, you moron! Just, you fool! <laughs> you nearly oh. broke the whole thing. So, of course, Alexander kept doing very public appearances, and he would show the god off and things. And in one of these appearances, a single Epicurean stood up in the crowd, one of these doubters, these people. Um, and he accused Alexander of lying and being wrong, specifically stating how um, the oracle had said that a young man had died and all his slaves and property and, and things were given away because they thought he was dead. And then yeah. he came back and he was alive. And so now he doesn't have any of his stuff anymore because people trusted you. Um, Squeaky and he's like, all of us. And he's like, and what do you have to say to that, Alexander? Alexander's just like... Literally what I just did. Stone the man. Stone the man to death. He's an unbeliever. <laughs> like, and, and the crowd starts throwing, they start chucking rocks at this dude. Um, uh, okay. Okay. Good, another, good. Uh, there is another kind of Epicurean as well in the crowd who like blocks some of the stones so this guy can run away. Okay. Um, so he does live. And also proceeds to get stoned. <laughs> <And then that laughs> the guy other guy goes. got stoned and the <laughs> other guy made it away. So that's good. <laughs> uh, Lucian then makes a joke saying like that man deserved to die. What does he think? What does he think he's doing being the only intelligent man in a crowd full of idiots? Um, he's making a joke. He's like, he's like everyone yeah. here is a moron. Yeah. Only like, even if you are intelligent, you should realize that speaking up in a place like that would get you killed. So he's yeah, Lucius okay. kind of making a joke, but also making like a judgment call of like that wasn't smart. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, and at it's one a point, very, it's a thinly veiled threat. Yeah, well. yeah. Uh, Alexander once came across a book of Epicurean teachings and like burns mm-hmm. it. Uh, and Lucian is very upset by this. He's like, how dare he burn this book? It gives so many people joy. And I'm like, oh, man, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Lucian then, he describes the next thing. And this is Alexander's greatest audacity. Um, we were in the middle of the crisis of the German war. I can't imagine that they called it the German war. I don't think the word German exists yet. But yeah, yeah. we call it the German war. Um, Marcus Aurelius was about to engage the enemy in combat. Not himself, yeah. but his forces, I assume. His, his army, yeah. yeah. Um, Glycon slash Alexander then issued a prophecy saying that two lions should be sacrificed by throwing them into the Danube River. Um, okay. And that will ensure and that will ensure victory. There was a uh, lot of perfectly good animals that they just sacrificed. That they just kind of, well, just... the lions, as you may know, lions can swim. So they, just yeah. swam, so they just swam to the other side of the river and were then clubbed to death by the enemy forces. Oh um, my no. So these, these like symbols of like great like royalty and things were just like killed by the enemy. And then, yeah. and then Rome lost horribly at this battle. Good. They deserved it. They deserved um, it for... I, I guess the animal cruelty also came from the other side, yeah, but still. Still. And then everyone was like, what? What happened? We sacrificed the lions. And then Alexander's like, you didn't read the fine print of my prophecy. I said victory. I didn't say for who. And I was oh like, my oh my god, dude. Like, that's so stupid. <laughs> even even if I believed him, I would have just oh. been like, you are so incompetent when it comes to giving me my prophecies that like I yeah. have to... Uh, Marcus Aurelius should have done something uh, mm-hmm. to stop this man. So, uh, people still loved them. He kept getting more and more prophecies. The amount of visitors just kept growing and growing. Alexander thought up a new idea. He was like, all right, he would use a cheaper alternative to the prophecies. Um, mm-hmm. I'll sleep on them. 
Like, give me your scrolls. I'll just, I'll sleep on them. The God will visit me in my dreams and I'll be able to answer your questions. But I might not be as accurate as the gods. This is like the, like, the budget version yeah. of, the, of the prophecies. I'm the next um, best thing. Well, now, look, I realize that this may seem like a silly question, but just b based off of the hand motions that you made, it implied to me, was he literally sleeping on top of them as well? We, like, I realize that there's I mean, the we don't know. Sleep. Probably not. Okay. But I like okay. to imagine he just <laughs> no. filled his bed with a bunch of scrolls, slept on them, and then just, like, wrote a bunch of nonsense answers on the scrolls. <laughs> No, I yeah, uh, I feel like that's definitely the vibe as well. I don't know, just uh, there there was uh, almost an implied literalism to it, and I was like, if he actually took it literally, I I, I adore it. I, I kind of want him to. I don't know, yeah, but I I do wish he did. Um, so he could do these a lot quicker, and he often didn't read them, the scrolls. He mm -hmm. would just write something down. Um, yeah. Lucian actually went to the prophet and tried out some of these uh, just to prove how wrong they were. So. He submitted a question on his scroll, and he asked, is Alexander bald? Um, mm. Making fun of the fact that I guess Alexander used hair extensions. Alexander, yeah, yeah. Um, and on the scroll itself, he got back an answer, like a nonsense answer about ancient kings. Like, it didn't have anything to do with the question. Okay, um, yeah. So Lucian submitted a bunch of answers. He actually, he submitted two other questions. Where was Homer born? Um, mm. A very simple factual Yeah, question, and Lucian, yeah. so basically what I think what was happening a lot is Alexander or one of his servants, whenever the scrolls would be delivered, they would ask the servant who was delivering the scroll, oh, what's in here? Uh, Lucian mm. told his servants to answer something else. Like, so his oh, servant okay. said, oh, my master is, um, he has a question in regards to lung problems. He has breathing problems. So mm. the response to that question was like a cure for lung trouble, like using herbs. Um, not the actual question okay that's, and the same I mean, thing happened with the, yeah. with the other homer thing where they said oh my master doesn't know whether to travel by by land or sea and then the mm -hmm. response was like oh travel by land or whatever so like none of them related to the question yeah. um and then lucian did another thing he was like all right you could also ask more than one question on these scrolls so he mm -hmm. he wrote down a single question and then mm -hmm. rolled up the scroll sealed it and then labeled it two Bob, questions bob's eight questions um, oh, okay. and included okay. and included the price for eight um, See, I feel like he's still being made a fool of in that situation because he's still paying more. He is he's still, still paying profiting for it. The, the industry. Uh, and so then he got eight answers back, but none of them related to the question he actually asked, which was, when will Alexander's lies be revealed? <laughs> um, <laughs> so obviously Alexander was not reading these things. He was just making up nonsense answers, uh, which yeah, at a certain I don't point, know. I think if you're getting enough letters, you can't do the wax seal thing anymore. You no, can't do not anymore. I think that was very it, yeah. beginning, kind of very like. That's when you're still running the business out of your garage. You're still kind yeah. of like hands-on business. Still now, personalized. You're still yeah. doing like the little notes that come in the Etsy gifts. Like, thank yeah, you for exactly, buying my... Exactly. Yeah, like very, very nice. Yeah. Um, so this... Alexander eventually found out that Lucian had been submitting all these questions under false names. And Lucian had a bit of a reputation for like trying to prove people false and things like that. So Alexander did not yeah. like Lucian. Um, yeah. Specifically because Lucian had tried to get Rutilianus to not trust Alexander. So mm. Lucian was involved heavily in Rome as well. And he was like, Rutilianus, don't trust this guy. He's, a, he's, he's, he's lying to you. He's making you a fool. He's bad news, um, yeah. That didn't work. Uh, and Alexander found out about that and didn't like him. So I don't think it was the same time. Maybe it was. Al Lucian was passing through Abenoteikos uh, with an cool. escort heading to the sea. And as he was passing through, Alexander sent him an invitation. Be like, oh, come, come meet with me in the temple. Come see the God. Don't go to the place where they can stone people whenever they um, want to if they think they're non-believers. For some reason, Lucian went. I love him. Um, Great. And so Lucian came to him and they're in the temple or whatever. There's followers there and stuff. And Alexander extends his hand for like a kiss, you know. Oh, um, my gosh. Lucian then takes his hand and bites it as hard as he can. 
which I think is like Lucian. Lucian describes it to the point. He's like, I almost took his hand off, and I was like, Oh my god, that's insane! Oh my goodness. Um, well, imagine if Alexander, like, actually, like, he didn't like him, but he was like, you know what, maybe we can, like, just, like, bury the hatchet kind of <laughs> thing and invite you to a nice dinner. But, like, he was like, just come join me for dinner. And Lucian's just like, it's right there, right in front of me, <laughs> biting his hand. Oh, my goodness. Um, what a madman. Yeah. And so the followers of Alexander were already mad because Lucian had referred to Alexander as Alexander instead of the great prophet, which he was being referred mm-hmm. to most of the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So then he bit his hand and the servants were like, we're going to kill this guy. Um, and, yeah. and Alexander, like, plays it off. He's like, oh, don't worry. And he dismisses everybody. So now it's just Lucian and Alexander. And Alexander's yeah. like, he, he he talks about it in a complicated way. But essentially, he threatens Lucian's life. He's like, you are going yeah. to, you're going you not going to leave this town alive unless I let you. Um, yeah. I can make one reliable prediction today. And <laughs> it is that you make won't it leave you alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but he does say, it's like, if you leave town now and never, like, mess with me again, I, like, I'll let you leave. Um, yeah. So Lucian's it's like, okay, big fine. enough for the both of us. Yeah, kind Lucian's of. like, okay, fine, and he like he like plays it off. He like he acts very friendly towards Alexander now, which Alexander had said earlier. He's like, don't worry, everybody. Uh, through the power of Glycon, we will become friends. And so then, when they all came back, and Lucian was being very friendly, they were like, oh, the, the great power of the prophet. Yeah. Um, just like another classic friend to... behavior of leaving the town where your friend is and never returning. <laughs> exactly. <again>. Exactly. <laughs> so Alexander arranged a boat for Lucian. He was like, take this boat and leave and don't come back. So Lucian accepted. He he got on the boat. When they were arriving at the destination, Lucian hears something. He's like, oh, what's that? He looks and he sees the captain crying. Um, so he goes to the captain of the ship that he's on. He's like, uh, you know, what's, uh, what's, what's going on? What's yeah, wrong? what's happening? Um, yeah. He's like, I don't want to have blood on my hands. And Lucian's like, what? What? He's like, oh, Alexander <laughs> told me to throw you overboard. Um, uh, come, come again? <laughs> Lucian's like, uh, what? You're going to kill me. He's like, I don't want to, though. He's like, uh, don't, then. <laughs> I also am of a, of a similar disposition. So let's, let's just agree to <laughs> not. something out here. So the captain yeah. dis- didn't kill him because he was, he, he's, captain specified, he's like, I'm 60 years old. I've lived an honest life my whole life. I don't want to kill someone now when I'm so close to, like, yeah. if, if I die now, then I'll have this on my hands and I won't, I'll be eternally punished in the afterlife. That's something that doesn't come up a lot in, like, murder plots. Like, whenever, like, the emperors try to kill someone, like, the assassins mm-hmm. are very much just, like, about it. I'm glad that we have one situation where the yeah. person is just like, I'm not getting paid enough. Like, no. Yeah, uh, yeah. so he just doesn't kill Lucian. Um, he just yeah. drops him off on shore and then, like, goes back. Um, yeah. From then on, see, I'm surprised like, it was. Sorry, no, I'm surprised okay, it wasn't a snake attempt assassination as well. Like, oh, I'm surprised like, they didn't like like, like a smuggle snake a snake into his like coat or something yeah. like that. So no, I wish I wish that that Alexander kind of more emphasized the snakiness. Honestly, the, other than the the puppet snake itself, the snakiness doesn't come up all that often outside of his. Which I guess it really is a fair could amount. have had a unity of effect, a really kind of oh, united yeah. brand there. Um, so Lucian then he he tries to discredit him at every turn. After this, he's mm-hmm. like tr- really trying to take him down. Uh, but he realized it was pointless after advice from this guy named Abatus, who's a governor. Uh, he's saying that Alexander has such a close connection to Rucellianus, who has so much influence in Rome. You're not going to be able to discredit this guy. There's nothing you can do that or say that make people not believe in him. So Lucian eventually yeah. just was like, okay. So he so he kind of like threw his hands up in the air. And so this this piece isn't necessarily him trying to discredit Alexander anymore. He's just giving all the info to his friend, Celsius uh, yeah. or Celsus, not 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 Celsius. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at this point, Alexander was like, you know, his empire was continuing to grow. Everything was great. Uh, he went to the emperor and he even got a coin minted with Glycon on it. So you can find these ancient Roman coins that on back on the back of the coin, like on the front is the emperor's face, obviously. And on the back yeah. is a is a snake with a human head and, and hair. Um, so this this had like a, such a large scope. So there's there's coins, there's sculptures. Everyone loved Glycon. Um, yeah. 
I'm trying to so, think of what the equivalent now would be. Like we have like the national park kind of thing, yeah, the yeah. Back or like quarters and stuff like that, and that's know, like yeah. very nice. But yeah. like I guess maybe like Mickey Mouse. Like I don't I don't know what the uh, <laughs> like if we uh, put Mickey Mouse on like the back of a quarter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like fully committing to. Uh, I I mean it, it's a success story. A small business. It is a small business success a, story. That's really what this yeah. is. Yeah. It's like if we put the Apple logo on the back of a of a quarter. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um. So Alexander had stated before in one of his prophecies that he would live to be 150 and would die by thunderbolt. Um, but before one he of was those even things would be true. <laughs> <laughs> but before he was even 70, he died not to a thunderbolt, but just to like his leg, like a leg infection, and he it like rotted and he died. Uh, it was oh not God. like a epic death. It was a very gross death. <laughs> and so uh, um, befitting the man, I feel like that's yeah, uh, his funeral. What he deserved was a series of games and a contest to determine who would be the next oracle and mouthpiece of Glycon. Um, so all these people are competing to be the next prophet. Rutilianus yeah. was actually chosen as the selector, but he decided he's not going to give it to anybody. He's like, no one can truly be what Alexander was. It's because um, one of the servants came up to him and explained to him the full measure <laughs> of how fake everything was. And he was just like, he's like, he's like no okay, one so you, can make. He's like, okay, so you know about the, the, the crane windpipes, yeah? Oh, so we need new ones of those. And uh, all yeah. of the, the seals, yeah, we need new needles to just to, to get the seals. And... Um, we got new orders in coming in from us from Rome, so we got to get those. Out. And Rutilianus is like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Oh, we like you know, to keep some like fresh eggs with like little snakes yeah. inside of them, just the like business. going like." We're, we're, I'm know. just trying to update you on the business, and Rutilianus yeah. is like, "No one gets it." End of end of <laughs> end of Glycon. Company is um, closed. We are bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, just because Alexander died didn't mean that like the iconography and recognition of Glycon ended. Like people still kind of went to the temple. And acknowledge the god and sacrifice to him and stuff. There just wasn't a direct kind of prophet as much anymore after the the thing. So Lucian ends his his manuscript saying, um, "I am happy to attempt to land a blow on this false prophet uh, for for all of his doubters, including Epicurus and all the Epicureans. Um, and I hope that all who read this piece are convinced of the truth behind it, and that I am telling the truth of this man, and that he wasn't a true god or true prophet, and he was an idiot, and I hate him." Uh, it's Unlike that's, that's me, the... who is opening a new temple <laughs> out, in, uh, out in Ostia. And it's you, should a pig really, god. you should come to my cool pig god temple. Yeah. I found a baby pig in an egg on the temple grounds. You won't believe it. It has wings on it. They're definitely not attached to using some kind of string or other assorted twine. Uh, when pigs just, fly, you will believe it in my prophecy. You just prophecies. throw the pig in the air and people, and people will be like, whoa, it's flying. A very visible like rope attached to the pig. It's, it's got the full theater apparatus um, to it, but people are just like incredible so yeah that was that was the story of alexander the false prophet or the oracle monger i enjoyed uh, it by Lucian. An oracle monger I, I truly really like it yeah yeah that was... no, this is, so this actually comes from a, a presentation i'm doing on tuesday in my dragons uh, class and so i did research on this for the presentation and i was like this is so good i'm making this an episode <laughs> i wish you well with it i really like it because it it shows uh, not to to get a head start on the lesson, but like the more things change, the more they stay the same. In, ter oh, yeah. in terms of the tactics of uh, mm -hmm. of manipulation, it is it is uh, impressive just how lasting uh, some of those techniques are, and and how. Imp I, d I don't think that we kind of like what you said. Like we can't fault the people necessarily. Like sure. there probably they were clinging. Like I will say, as somebody who is very indecisive. If I could go to a snake god to have me, like, make the decisions for me, like, I might be inclined to do that, like, once a week yeah. every now and then and pay, like, five. But, like, I don't have to choose which restaurant to go to or something like that or what movie I want to watch. I'll, I'll go to the snake god and have it decided. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go check out Zoltar or whatever. And uh, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Although, I'll go for it. I don't know. I, I like the story a lot. Um, I think it's... 
it's just a lot of fun. I'm both. I'm I'm impressed with both of them. I'm impressed with Lucian for his attempts to really just get the <laughs> truth out, and I'm impressed with Alexander for just stubbornly resisting all attempts. It's. I it's, am. I am quite actually impressed with Alexander. The the, yeah. the level of cleverness. I mean, Lucian did prep us at the beginning, right? He's like, this dude is really clever. Um, yeah. And I think he, you know, he lives up to that. He's he's a scoundrel for sure. Yeah, but. if he like it, it just makes you think of like if he had you like I think also in the preface like if he had used his his conniving powers for good, uh, it it makes you like he probably actually would have been a halfway decent emperor if like somebody had put him into like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think that morally he would have been worse than most of the emperors for sure. That's true. I mean, uh, for more information about that, check out our previous episodes on Caligula or Nero. <laughs> absolutely, definitely plug. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. They're very good. They're also classics. They're also classics. Although this one I think is, is quite a classic. I love, yeah. So this story. So, okay. Next question. Final question. Is there a lesson that we can learn? You did say that the more things change, the more things stay the same. Is there something specific mm-hmm. we can get from, from Glycon, from Alexander, mm-hmm. from Lucian, from Coconuts, mm-hmm. the guy who died two minutes into the story? Um, yeah. I think the for uh, for our character, I think the, the the lesson comes from that character that died two minutes in the story. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You're gonna get snakes in order to uh, go into a multi-level marketing prophecy scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that you check if the snakes are poisonous or not first. Oh yeah, oh, uh, yeah. so that you True. can uh, reap those good benefits. <laughs> yeah. I do wonder a little bit if uh, maybe he was uh, killed under the table as well. A little uh, bit. Uh, True. Alexander didn't want to Alexander. share the glory. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I think yeah. what I learned is that I should worship Kermit as a god. Yes. Also. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All the Muppets are gods, in fact. Uh, yeah, for sure. Except for Gonzo, he's an alien. That's canonical. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, um, thank you for having me. It was thank, uh, thank you so much, it. Nick, for being here uh, for making this another great episode. Uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, bye bye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks again for listening. It's a Classic Podcast is available everywhere you get your podcasts, from Spotify to Stitcher to Apple Podcasts. And hey, if you're listening on any of those platforms, why not leave a review? I'd love to hear what you have to say. We're at itsa.classicpod on Instagram and at itsaclassicpods on Twitter. The intro and outro music is by Michael Picton. Bye again, and keep it classic. <laughs>